Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 135 of Midweek Metagame. I'm Harry G, joined by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson. Nice to be here, all three of us. Yep. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and also Gabriel Nassim. Hey, 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 everyone. We have big announcements this week. I'm going to start that off. We now have a podcast Discord. Um, I'm not going to read off the Discord link on, on a podcast, so there will be a few places where you can find this link. Uh, it'll be in the description of this episode, the pinned tweet on our Twitter, or I'm sure you can find it somewhere on our social media. Uh, we'd love to build a community with all of you. You do not have to be a patron to be in this Discord. However, there will be Patreon-exclusive channels to talk in content in uh, the Patreon side. But join the discussion. Please join the Discord. You can find the link on our socials in the description of this episode or pinned to the podcast Twitter. Um, I also need to say to the patrons that there are changes to the Patreon coming, but I'll make sure to let you guys know what's happening, uh, obviously, through to you in the discord um and also i want to say thank you um i went to a modern event over the past week in the uk had a couple people say they love the podcast so i want to especially thank alex and leo for coming uh and saying hi to me and you know what's funny is both of them specifically said um that they listen to the podcast on the way to work so i guess we should also shout out anyone going to work right now Hope you have a good shift, because apparently that seems to be the trend of uh, where people listen to us. But um, last thing in the special intro today is please, 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 if you can, leave a review on the podcast, positive or negative. It really helps out on any podcast platform, and clicking that follow button is a free way to support us and helps us grow. We're really trying to grow right now, get out to more people, and if you like our content, that's the best place to support us, and it's free to just click a few buttons. But... Enough shilling today. Oh, that's not true. Not, not, not. Uh, all Shilling's the only just begun. Yeah. Now the yeah. regular schedule sk- shilling. Yeah. What are we going to be shilling? Card Market. Thank you so much, Card Market, for sponsoring the podcast. For those who don't know what Card Market is, it's a marketplace online to buy anything Magic the, Ga- Magic the Gathering related, or it can be any other card game, deck boxes, singles, accessories, sleeves, play mats. Um, so much on cardmarket.com doesn't even have to be match the gathering it can be pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh, flesh and blood digimon please go check them out they support the podcast help us to be here every week as well as the patreons uh no press to do so but if you want to support us patreon.com slash midweek metagame <gasps> that's the shilling officially done now we're here to talk about magic the gathering um what is it this week um, I have actually top eighted a local, not even local, the biggest modern event in the UK called Mega Modern. I think it was about 138 players that went top eighted with Merktide, so we're going to be talking about that deck specifically. Um, I've been playing a bit of Pioneer. Pat's been playing a load of Pioneer Blue White Control, so we're going to be getting to that as well. Gab has been dabbling through a lot of formats like normal on his stream, so he's going to be joining the discussions in those formats as well as specifically Gab has played a lot of Explorer. So those are going to be the three formats that we break down today. Is there anything I missed in the intro, guys? No, you're there's good. No well, well, well. And there's no well, 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 but oh. that's fine. I'll let, it, I'll let it slide. Okay, yeah, I forgot the well, 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 but well, well, well. Let's get into some modern, why don't we? Um, so yeah, I guess Mega Modern um, played that. 
I attended the event with Pete Ward for Noop on Magic Online, and it was quite funny because on the drive there, it's uh, Pete basically picked me up halfway to the event because he um, lives on the east side of the UK, like southeast, and the tournament was above London or like a bit in London in Milton Keynes. So I'm literally in between them. So he like picked me up and we had a long drive. And on the drive there, um, I was, Pete obviously had the music playing out of his phone. I was like, no, 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 give me your phone, give me your phone. So I start playing like all my motivational music, like all I do is win and like whatever. And I was like to Pete, I was like, oh, we need the motivational music so we can both top eight. And then obviously me and Pete drove home as both top eight members. Yeah, so pretty sick. I top eighted with Merktide. Pete top eighted with four color control. So I felt like throughout the whole event, I had a pretty good uh, scope on what the decks were in the metagame. The metagame there was like disgustingly four color. It was really gross. The amount of times like the round the rounds went to time with like always like three or four four color mirrors going on. And apparently it was so commonly known that four color was there that a lot of decks were playing a one of Emrakul in the main to try and steal a win uh, game one, which I thought was really funny as well. I don't know if that's common on Magic Online, but they're all talking about how they're playing uh, the one of Emrakul to, to try and trump the mirror. Um, yeah, it is, it is something people have been doing lately, playing the Emrakul in the main. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's that. Okay, so then I guess it's not too new. But yeah, I I, I played Merktide. I played specifically the Doom, uh, the Doom, uh, the Doom Switch list with no Dragon Rage Chandler. I got a lot of questions online about that, and people saying like, "Oh, are you too threat light or whatever?" But at the end of the day, I'm just playing. You know, Blue Red Merktide before Ledger Shredder was printed had the same amount of threats. Am I wrong? I mean, all I've all we've done is taken out the channelers, put in Ledger Shredder to the same amount of threats before Ledger Shredder was printed. So I wouldn't be too concerned about threat count when everyone asks me this question. As well as for a cantrip deck, you can cantrip into into your threats. What do you think, Pat? Because you're you're a very mm. um. I, I think player. that you're, I mean, what you were saying is factually true. You have the exact same number of creatures in your deck, and yeah, you know, with the addition of Ledger Shredder, instead of Dragon Channel, you're essentially still like got the same amount of like. I, I hate the term, but card velocity. Like you see a lot of cards in your deck, you know, sh uh, Shredder, uh, Knives, and Dragon Rage Channel of Scries or, or Surveils. Uh, and so you see a lot of cards. And so, you, you know, finding threats is not that big of an issue. I think what 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 changes is that Dragon Rage's Channel is like a really, really, really like explosive threat in the sense that like it's, you know, one mana, three power, got that Delver style kind of uh you know, package involved, where it's legislated is a little bit more ponderous, a bit more mid-rangey, and so just you know, having that, just making that exchange where you take Dragon Rage Channel and talk about for legislator makes you a little bit slower, a little bit less explosive out the gates, but makes you a bit ha lets you have a little bit more staying power in say mirror matches or yeah against mid-range decks or whatnot. But I think it gives you some. There's, there's obviously advantages and disadvantages, and I don't know whether it's. The right time to mention it, but the challenge winner for this weekend, O'Daniel Arcos, won with traditional blue red Merktide with four Dragon Rage Channel, a four Merktide, zero Ledger Shredder in the 75. And, oh, wow. you know, who, who's to say what's right or wrong? But I think that, you know, there's on its surface, it looks like, you know, a pretty clean swap, like, does it really matter one way or the other? But they do, they make a subtle impact on how your games play out, I guess. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I actually really liked the deck list. Um, I streamed the night before the tournament, and then at the tournament, I only lost to Yogmoth in the Swiss, and in the quarterfinals, I lost to Green, White, and Tra- Enchantress, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah. Um, my my friends, uh, uh, Raul Zimmerman, um, made it to the semis, played against the Enchantress player. He was also on... Um, Dragon Rage Channeler less or no Dragon Rage Channeler Merktide similar to my list and lost to the Enchantress player again um so that was interesting but yeah, I think that like if you think, think about a matchup like Enchantress the lack of Dragon Rage Channel does have a big impact like I tapping out on turn two to play a one three flyer can put you in a lot of trouble against a deck like Enchantress where they get to resolve their Enchantress's presence if they're on the play or even if they're on the draw where they have Utopia Sprawl uh, to accelerate their mana. So, like, it's kind of hard to establish a threat ag- against a deck like Enchantress, whereas Dragon Rage's Channeler would, like, just get on board on turn one and then, you know, eventually turn into that kind of threat while you're keeping your protection up. So that's one matchup where the ch- where the difference, you know, is quite stark, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think that the biggest thing as well is they were playing um, on thin ice, so it was really brutal casting turn to ledger shredder and then they would unt they untapped and played the two mana draw card for an enchantment plus on thin ice was brutal so that you know it felt rough it definitely felt winnable um ral also was saying that he thought it was a very winnable matchup it just draws and whatever you know stuff happens in the top eight but i think it was more interesting kind of my swiss matches because um, the the worst matchup I personally have is against um, Yogmoth. I th- I think that's a very difficult matchup to navigate as Blue Red Merktide because of Court of Calling, as well as like how to kill the Yogmoth and holding up counter spells. And do you counter spell maybe their Jamal's Messenger, like things like this, as well as Dress Down makes things insanely complicated. So. My winning and I won two and zero, oh, but my my opponent said that they've only been playing modern for one week, so I felt like I should have lost both games. Um, I only won game one because I stole a Birds of Paradise with Ragavan, and then I stole a Grist the next turn with the Ragavan, and then the Grist kind of helped me stay alive. And then game two, I managed to do like a cool trick with dress down where like I dressed down and then I bolted something. And then because the dress down got sucked on my end step, I could then unholy heat their grist, which kind of kept me in it. Um, but both games, they, you know, against, against, um, Yogmoth, I find it really awkward because specifically with my list with four shredder, four Ragavan, three Merktide, it's really annoying to board out Ragavan because it really does feel like you're cutting down on threats because Ledger Shredder is actually very weak because, you know, they play turn one um, Dork and then they can have Grist on turn two and kill your Shredder. So, you know, I, f- I found it very hard to navigate. I decided in the Swiss, I t- sorry, in the Yogmoth player that I lost to in the Swiss earlier, I left in my Ragavans and I spoke with Pete and Ral between the rounds they said take out Ragavan at least on the draw so I took it out on the draw game two against Yogmoth, and it seemed to be good my shredder stuck around and won me the game but definitely a very complicated matchup you know I wanted to know kind of if you guys had any bold opinions about that 
My hot take is that the graveyard hate stuff's pretty good against them. Relic and Hearse. Yeah. I think their deck's not as scary when you can eat their creatures, their creatures don't come back. And last time I played the matchup, what I did was I just kept in Ragavan on the play because I had the Hearse. So even if they did go turn one Young Wolf, you know, if I go Ragavan into Hearse, it's not the end of the world. And Ragavan crewing Hearse is also like something you can do in the long, the long game as well. Yeah, I guess so. And I, uh, I was against Demonic Tutors, actually. I was in the top eight when I kind of punted. But I went to see his side, and he actually trimmed a wolf. And I won I won game two was Ragavan on the play. And he was kind of like shaking his head when I played turn one Ragavan. And he had no answer for it, you know. Um, he was... Um... So, yeah, I don't know. I haven't played this matchup enough to know, but I feel like... Something like Hearse might be good. I don't know if you brought in your graveyard hit Harry or not. Yeah, I I, I have um uh one dress down in the main, one dress down in the sideboard, then two Hearse in kind of stopping um what is it, undying. So yeah. that that that's something that I actually had in this in the matchup where I lost. I feel like there you get into these weird spots where you know you have dress down plus removal spelling. It's really complicated because of the way dress down works, so <laughs> Um, like I had a cool play in the winning in action. Oh no, I played against Yogmoth three times actually. I beat it. I beat it twice in the Swiss and lost to it once. In the in the second time that I played against Yogmoth, so I lost against Yogmoth, beat Yogmoth, and then had the winning in against Yogmoth, which I also beat. I had like a... sure. yeah. yeah. I'm not sure how good Dresdown is though. Seems kind of a lot of setup to just get like one undying creatures to not come back because even if. You played the turn to play Yagmas, they can do it on your turn. I don't know. I don't think I was bringing in Dress Down in that matchup. I think I, I, I liked Dress Down because sometimes they have the triple mana dork or double mana dork, and you can just do it on their upkeep to try and like time walk them almost for their mana. Okay. I, I like it against Endurance post board, and sometimes yeah, it crops up in game one. I think Harry had one main deck in Dress Down as well, so like it yeah. comes up there just kind of organically. But I, I'm I'm with Gab. I don't my experience with dress down hasn't been particularly good in the matchup, but I think it's the sort of card that you kind of just, if you're dead set on taking out ragavans, particularly on the draw, then I think it makes, you need to find cards to bring in because not a lot, not a lot of your other sideboard cards outside of your graveyard hate, like you're, like you're saying has much impact. One thing I found, I think I went through like a pretty like few kind of iterations of trying to solve this matchup when I was playing Merktide early on. And you know, I started initially kind of like over overboard against them, trying to like be like a really like as interactive as I possibly could be, and you know, be all removal spells, all counter spells, and then just like murktides at the top end, and it just never really worked for me. I'm definitely now in the camp of keep the pressure up. Like they don't block flyers very well at all, and so just get over the top of them. And Legislator is good at that. Dragon Ranger's channel is also good at it. And obviously they're, they're pretty susceptible to Murktide outside of a card like Grist. So keeping the pressure on them is probably the most important thing to do because the way they deck set up essentially, like just trading your removal spells for their, like half their undying creatures just doesn't do anything. Like you just can't be playing that game. I think you need to keep your removal spells explicitly to kill like Yogmoth or like a Manador. And that's a battle you can really expect to get, you know, really good leverage from. When you've got access to a card like Hearse, I haven't like had a huge amount of experience playing with Hearse and 
in in the matchup but i think what gab's saying makes sense like there's there's only so many cards that you can really like cut or bring in in the matchup when you just it's just ragapans really that you're kind of thinking about cutting some number of and yeah i just find that you're trying to trying to like answer their creatures actually sucks like it's not the strategy that you want to be going for you want to just be putting them on the back foot and you know making them look like they're kind of like green black tap out for creatures kind of slow deck basically Mm. yeah i I honestly both like all of my wins against yogmoth kind of felt like they were just getting insanely unlucky just drawing crap but i heard the matchups kind of swingy it looks it looks like sometimes it's easy and sometimes it looks like unwinnable yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I say exact same experience. Sometimes I'm like, haha, sucker, try and block my flyers, like, good luck. And the other times I'm like, why didn't any of the cards in my hand do anything? And when it's all said and done, I'm like ahead and I feel like I'm like ahead in the matchup, but probably you know, lifetime definitely ahead in the matchup. But, you know, if I, if I tried to kind of narrow it down, I'd say I'm like, it's a 50 50 matchup, but it feels really strongly one way or the other when you win or lose. And that's what a, about, yeah. Sorry, yeah, go, go, yeah. What's up? No, I was going to ask, maybe you were not. Maybe you still want to talk about that. I was going to just ask about the four-color matchup because you said there was a ton of four-color. So I was curious if you played against four-color because I know I played four-color for a while because I thought it was favored against Murktide and there was not a ton of decks that I feel were favored against Murktide. So I got paired against four-color once and it was against my friend Charles, uh, God of Slaughter on Magic Online. Oh, yeah. But... You know, we sat down and it, we were both five and one. And he was like to me, he was like, look, you're good. I'm good. Do you just want to ID and then make next round a winning in? Because we were both like the top seed for X1s. Yeah. And then I was like, sure. So we ID'd. <laughs> we ID'd yeah. and then I got paired against Yogmoth one and got to the top eight. Isn't that bad though? Aren't you guys? I mean, uh, I guess I see why he wants to do it, but it's still... So gamblish, because now you're like, you might both not make it. Yeah, You're, you're so... still spewing a little equity, I think. Even, I mean, you'd have to think you're just so far ahead skill-wise, too. So I think my 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 opponent match win percent, my like tiebreak is like 59% or something. My tiebreakers yeah. were really high. Yeah. And, and uh, I think the logic is kind of like we're at a paper event. There's probably like we're both magic online grinders it was kind of like there's probably yeah you know a lot worse players that we can get paired against than potential like because we knock one person is guaranteed to get knocked out but if we id then it was like no one else could id in the x1 to make it in whereas if we didn't id i think there would have been like uh, it was complicated he's way better at it than me he was saying that it was really good for me and for him it could have locked him out of top eight but it's like I think because of my tiebreakers, I was locked. I, I don't remember. It, it it's pro- maybe it's bad, but to me it made sense because at the end of the day, we were like the only. He was the only opponent I was scared to play against in on the top tables. Yeah. There, there would be absolutely none of that where we come from, <laughs> where I come from. Back playing PDQs in Australia, if you ever got paired against your friend winning in kind of like penultimate round, there's like absolutely no. <laughs> there's no kind of like putting it off until the next round to like slightly hurt both of our equities or whatever. Uh-huh. To, say, to, to preserve friendships, none of that coming. The the thing is, the funny thing is, is that Charles played against um, the Yogmoth player that actually won it because he lost. He 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 had a guaranteed win in. Like we actually both were guaranteed 
to be top eight if we both won the next round the way it played out but he lost yeah. and then an x2 made it on tiebreakers and then the yeah, x2 yeah i was gonna ask if you thought you guys had good tiebreakers and maybe even you can maybe even both make it if you know yeah. you play one wins he's locked or he can draw and then the one who lost can maybe still win the last round to make top eight but Sounds yeah. like you guys kind of punted, but it worked yeah. out for you. No, it makes sense, very much actually, yeah, because one of us wins, gets guaranteed top eight, and then the other one can win and get top eight, whereas whereas for this way, <laughs> we have to yeah. both win to both guarantee yeah, top it's eight. So, it's so bad. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. I, 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 I'm st- I would still do it again because I, I right. he was on four color. I mean, I just... Well, I knew it's so that. bad, I'll do it again. <laughs> it's Well, I think... I th- What's the point of this conversation, then? <laughs> No, 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 but I think I think I have a bad matchup. He's really good at the deck, and I know that there are other... Pl- I mean, my opponent in the last round said he's been playing Modern for one week, which I'm happy yeah. with those odds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so if you play that the exact same way every time, you would take it the, ex- <laughs> take it the same again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all, right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay. Oh, I'm happy with my choice. Any- anyway, four-color control versus Merc. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I have no, I actually have no matches, but all I do know is I'm really terrified of that yeah. deck. I, take the draw if you can, I think is the, yeah. <laughs> is, if it's offered to you, is, is our matchup analysis. Yeah. What What do you think? Has anyone here outplayed on the four color side? Oh, Gab's definitely played the four color side a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it used to be good. Maybe people are changing their four color decks in a way that it's not as good anymore, but. I, no, I just said you. I was just curious because you said there was a ton of four color, and but if you only played against it once, uh, well, I guess zero. I played times. against it in inverted commons, yeah. Yeah. I, I I was wondering if the um, because four four color has been like on the on the upswing over the last fortnight or so. Again, I feel like it kind of took a bit of a dip when Luris got banned, and then it's been you know you know risen back up again. And I was wondering how much of that was tied into the fact that people were moving away from cards like Dragon Ridge's channel or more towards Legislators. And yeah. that playing into the into the four color decks kind of hands, it's you know, playing a slightly more kind of mopey slow game rather than getting the pressure into play and having that dictate the terms of engagement you know, over the first few turns. Which is something that Canister pointed out a couple of weeks ago when he was on our stream. That that kind of dynamic, it's less about kind of trying to like trade cut trade their resources advantageously with them. It's more about just trying to get set up real early and protect it. Yeah, I mean that's how I felt about the matchup always from four color this you know either they snowball or or you usually like you're usually fine yeah i can't i can't think of a time from the the blue red side that i've won a game where i didn't kind of have that ragabana dragon rages channel uh in play for a couple of turns that came into play in the first two turns yeah i mean the, okay. ones, where, the ones where you like grind them down and then like resolve a merc type like this doesn't happen like they've just got three solitudes in hand every time <laughs> you just you're drawing dead yeah i agree so how how come you guys drove several hours to go just play one modern tournament? Yeah, so this specific event is run by Axion now, and they're yeah. known for basically like investing a hundred percent or if not more money back into the prize pool. So this one was the top eight. If you made top eight, you got um coming eighth would get you a five hundred pound voucher plus a t- entry into any GP this summer, 
And then that's the same price from eighth to second. And then if you came first, instead of 500 pounds, you'd get 1,500 pounds to go to any magic event. I think, yeah. like, basically GP Las Vegas. That and what was the fee? What was the registration fee? It was sixty-five pounds, which was it was quite expensive. But it, we worked out the prize pool, and he he literally like the host of the tournament lost money. So wow, yeah, wow. it was sick. Yeah, I mean they're they're running multiple events on that weekend as well, right? They're running the legacy event as well. But I've been to an Axion event before where they had like the top eight plays off for like an insane. You know, pretty high equity prizes essentially from anywhere from first through to eighth, but then also nine through sixteen playoff for sick value as well. Oh, like yeah. I went and like I went I, the one I went to like first place was like they played for like multiple blue dual lands or whatever, and like it was like dual lands to everyone in the top eight plus more like product as well, and then everyone else below was playing for like legacy staples plus like two or three boxes at the same time. So the events were like really well run and like really well supported in terms of prize. And they seem to be like kind of like they're like the big kind of event organizer essentially in the UK. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I don't mind the hype. I mean, if you're gonna, if people are gonna travel, you know, like drive and stuff, might as well maybe make the registration feel a little more expensive and give big, big, big give out bigger prizes. Yeah, feel and like you're playing for more. Their their model is really good because uh, the person who runs the tournaments, I don't know if he. Like I think he's the owner. It's his name is Francois. Well, yeah, yeah, and he he basically he buys cards and he holds them for a long time, so they're very expensive when he gives them away as prizes. But he's paid you know like a decent price on them. Like for example, he did a tournament where top sixty four, sixty fourth place got a dual land up to first. Um, top sixty four got dual lands, and it's because he bought them like three years before the tournament for like really cheap price and then there was like a huge spike like one year before the tournament but he's like promoting it for so long and he was like the entry to the tournament was only like 15 pounds it was like really cheap and top yeah. 64 got dual lands because while okay quote unquote he's losing money if he you know theoretically sells them he's like i'm doing he he hosts tournaments for the game and he wants big prizes and he wants the glory and he makes sure that if you you know like top eight and wrote out a a player's description form or whatever you want to call it you know yeah they do the whole like top eight player profiles and stuff yeah, like that yeah. on, on their on their social medias and stuff like that I, I so i've only been to one of these events but like they this these guys seem really 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 well respected and liked by everyone in the, in the uk community and my one my one time going there was just, this is a really really good tournament like nice venue central location Damn, yeah, price support him, through the roof. We need him running these uh, these European uh, yeah, stops. I'm, I'm a little bit. Uh, I can't. Anyway, maybe we don't want to get into that too much. But uh, yeah, I, we don't. I'm a little bit bit bummed out by by what I've been reading recently. Yeah. Well, we said we said too much now, but we're we're referring to the fact that the people running the the European stops for you know. The the Sofia the the tournament Sofia the 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 I don't even remember the regional tour kind of yeah, they call it like the pro tour and, and and they're handling all the PDQ distribution as well yeah right? and, and they're handling these these events beforehand that are kind of kind of like GPs except they don't have GPs they have main events and stuff and the first first uh, reports of like the price structure and stuff it, it doesn't look super great so I guess we'll see. Yeah, 
I've I've heard some insider stuff, and I think that not all of it is Legacy's fault, but apparently there are some management issues in Legacy from complaints from many companies. I mean, it it is possible. Yeah, it is also possible that Wizards just not supporting them with prizes or at all or very little. So it is it is expensive to run tournaments and. In Europe, and they chose, you know, not cheap cities. We were talking about it this afternoon. You know, they chose Paris and Copenhagen. Maybe they should have tried and do these events in Prague or Barcelona. There's some I was good gonna say, there's, there's reasons that it's GP Lyon and not GP Paris and stuff like that, right? Yeah, like, this is a little bit easier to run tournaments when you're outside of the major hubs. But I don't know. Maybe it's the glitz and the glamour that's they're trying to sell it on. Yeah. yeah, but when it's the glitz and the glamour, and then the tournament location is like in like su- the suburb of Paris, and I don't know where it's going to be, you know. But yeah, but uh, it just reminds me of Pro Tour New York, which I think was actually Pro Tour New Jersey or something like that. I'm not sure. Yeah. I think that's a kind of common occurrence, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's uh, congratulations on top eighting another event in a row. By the way, I didn't, I wasn't on the cast last week, so I didn't get a chance to kind of shout you out for winning the showcase and then you're backing it up by by top eighting and you know a, an eight round event essentially yeah yeah that's no no slouch harry Koo. thank you thank you no i was running i'm i'm running i was running really hot because you know a lot you you turn up to these tournaments and you think of a card and then you draw it you know you play to this something and you draw that or you're like oh i need a removal spell or you're in top deck mode and you're like oh i need a cantrip you top deck expressive iteration like a lot of these things are, it's, you know, I feel like you feel like you're like doing everything and you're like such a smart magic player. But at the end of the day, I'm getting really yeah. lucky, you know, oh, I yeah. had to get so lucky. Like people were saying like, oh, you're so great for winning the showcase. I'm like, go watch my freaking top eight. Like I literally just draw perfectly. I mean, I have like double elf every game. I mean, there's a reason why I won the top eight. Yeah. I, that's that's a, a very standard experience when you win a tournament. You feel like you're you feel invulnerable, and there's a reason for that. It's because no one could possibly have defeated you at any point in time because yeah. you drew really well, and you yeah you played well, fine, but like yeah, plenty of people probably played as well or better than you and just did not run like Zeus. So you know, they're out of the tournament and you're holding the trophy at the end of it, and it's it can make you feel really really powerful, but also be really really detrimental to you. I know. I know I won. I actually won like the very first big tournament I ever entered, and I feel like it set me down the wrong path for a couple of years of being like, I've done that, therefore I should be able to replicate that, and my process is fine. Not like I'm a giant idiot who got lucky, and I really enjoyed the feeling, <laughs> and so yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I just didn't have that mindset for like maybe like a year or so. I took a friend of mine to just pull me aside and be like, "You're really, really bad, but you could be pretty good," and I was like, "Oh, okay, fine, <laughs> yes." But that took me, it took like a year for him to just kind of put me in my place, basically. A year of watching me play like shit. Damn. You know, thank you so much. I guess, I guess. Yeah, well, well done, though. Congratulations are always in order, though. Like you should be, you should always be happy that you just, for success. It does, it does help that I have some student debt to pay off and I essentially won a grand. So, you know, I'm out of debt now from Magic the Gathering, which is quite, quite cool, to be fair. Uh, very good very good i think i think um if you gab did you play any modern challenges this week no i didn't play the challenges i was playing the explorer qualifier i did play a little modern uh past few days i don't know yesterday i decided i want to build the grixis archon trying to cheat archon and play with creativity and 
persist. So either reanimate it or put it in the play with creativity. Apparently it was something that Spider Space had already done, but before Fable, and I decided maybe Fable would be the perfect card. You know, it loots, it gives you creature, a token. Maybe you can even flip Kikijiki and start copying Archons, even though that sounds a little win more. And yeah, I build a deck. I've played three and a half leagues now so far, and my results have been decent, you know, like 4-1, 3-2, 3-2, 4-1, something like that. I'm still tuning the deck, and it's been it's been solid. You know, I'm just playing Crap, Thoughtseize, Tainted Indulgence, Persist, Fable, Prismari Command, Archon, and Creativity, pretty much. And the deck, deck's, deck's decent. Don't have, you know... So that's what, that's what I've been up to, uh, modern-wise. What, what are you winning against? Mm, I lost to, you know, I lost to Grixis Shadow once. I went 1-1 one, one against Titan. I went 1-1 one, one against Elementals. Like, I played against four-color or four color Omnath the first time. I was like, oh, that matchup's probably going to be bad, and it felt pretty bad. But also my draws were kind of poor, and then I played against today, and it went much better. My draws were really good, and I, I won fairly easily. I think the deck is good. It's a little inconsistent, you know. Your, um, I mean, pretty much any deck that that's not, you know, Merktide living in, you're just at a disadvantage in modern when you're not playing these 19 lands deck that can keep plenty of one landers, you know. That's why blue white controls not as good in modern as it could be. That's why you know there's a bunch of decks like that that are. You're like, you look on paper, like, yeah, I have Solitude, I have Ending, I have Charm, I have all these awesome cards to Fairy yeah. Time Reveler. But at the end of the day, you're no. just at a natural disadvantage because you can't keep the one lander on the reg, you know? Yeah, you have all these fantastic cards in your deck, but not necessarily in that order. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, big, it's a big part of it as well, I think. And that's actually kind of, I guess when we get to the Pioneer section, we'll talk a bit about that. It's, uh, it's something that I've been having thoughts about uh in, in that format with, in, with respect to blue white control but if we talk just in the context of modern i think like you know we saw that blue white control wasn't doing very well but then the version that did have some success like waffle had some success when he was playing he was playing you know opts and he was playing snapcaster mazes he was actually adding cards to his deck that let him keep a kind of you know a wider range of hands and then he has some success like that rather than the kind of the, the existing builds which are kind of a little bit slow and kind of chalice of the void heavy and this sort of stuff. So that's what it kind of what what it took to kind of compete in modern at the moment. Yeah. So you know, I felt like I was getting unlucky, but also when you're playing twenty four lands, you kind of have to hit your third land drop on fear, or else it's hard to win. You also much better if you hit your fourth land drop for dwarven lines and stuff. So yeah, it, it's hard to tell. It was only you know fifteen twenty matches if. If the deck's consistent, if you're getting unlucky, if it's just normal, you know, these other decks are just making you look bad because they're just so consistent. Yeah, I actually saw on the top table someone playing this deck, the Creativity deck, and um, they lost a four-color... Con I think they lost the last three rounds. They started 5-0 and oh and then went 5-3, which kind of was unfortunate, but the deck seems like it... It just it just seemed to fold to both Merktide and and four color because it seemed oh they weren't playing to fairy time raveler were you playing like 
Were you splashing for Teferi Time Raveler? No, I just built a Grixis version. The more common version is four color was Ren ending Teferi. Mm. So I don't know if that's what they were playing. No, they were they were playing. I think they were playing the Grixis version because they also were had Agent of Treachery post board against four color. Okay, cool. Um, I, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I can't. People would keep bringing up Agent, and I was like, how can Agent? ever be better than Archon it's it seems so like in what spot is stealing a permanent going to be better than the Archon trigger yeah I, I don't I don't quite understand that it's probably a hangover from it getting banned in standard or something like that like that's a really good thing to flip over I guess I get I think maybe the logic is because you kill like you don't do one creature you do two and then you get two treacheries maybe I mean, still, what about yeah. getting two Archons? Sounds yeah, pretty yeah, damn good yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. Like, even what with the could, deal. What about three treacheries? I mean, if you draw the nine cards at end of turn or whatever from the agent, maybe then we're talking, but. <laughs> yeah. But what's funny is because Pete was playing against this deck uh, on the top tables and Pete was playing Spreading Seas and they just lost to it because then it turns off, it like slows down the door. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no chance. <laughs> but but I will say that the fable, I was not sure about it at first, but I think it's it's pretty good in that deck. It it really is perfect in that deck. It does yeah. everything you wanted to do, and it gives you a decent plan. For instance, against Merktide, what I did the I played against Merktide a few times, and I just started trimming, you know, trimming an Archon, going down to only two persist and. Bring in disputes and flusterstorm, and going up to four fill push, and then I'm almost like this control deck, you know, where you know maybe just protect a fable of the mirror breaker, and that's good enough to to win me the game, you know. It just gives you such a such an advantage if they, if they can't counter it. That card is just really, really, really. Yeah, good. I heard Canister tried it though a bunch on modern, and it was. Not good for him. It's a three mana sorcery. Like it's 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 got to do a hell of a lot, and I, your deck in particular is taking advantage of all three parts of it really yeah. well. Like not only are you like filtering cards, but you're also setting up your graveyard synergy at the same time, and then using the mana from the treasure to, well, the, the, using the treasure and the token essentially to set up the creativity, and then like also you can copy Archon with with the Kiki Jiki side. Like it's just it's all there, and yeah. so. Yeah, I think you got to use all parts of the Buffalo to have it be a modern power level card, but it's certainly a powerhouse in kind of standard and uh, and pioneer as well, and explorer I think, yeah. by, by, by that token. Mater is a cool Jeskai deck, just some Wall of Omens, Fable, Resto. I guess I guess it doesn't work. The the Resto Kiki combo doesn't work. But I was you thinking can, when I you could blink, but you could blink the Kiki and turn it back into Fable. Yeah, but when I was playing these sideboard games in Murkta, I was like, yeah, maybe I just want to play Counter Fable, you know. Anyways, that that's what I've been up to uh, in, in modern. Well, but you made that. Oh, sorry. But modern, I've played zero modern games uh, up until. Uh, no, maybe maybe I played a little bit with the uh, with that Doom Doom Switch list a couple of weeks ago, like earlier earlier last week, and didn't have a huge amount of success. But I I'm just you know probably like five, four or five matches, just not playing in the right mind space or like not really kind of like you know having it together at that point in time i've just been playing pioneer mostly and largely just focusing on playing blue white control and pioneer and doing some different things with that deck to what seems to be the kind of norm i guess 
I don't know if you want to like pivot now and talk about a different format, but yeah, that's I think what I've been doing. Move on to Pioneer. Right. We've rambled enough. Very good. Okay, so I mean, yeah. After after Harry wins the the showcase last week, I, I see that you know, he beat Blue Eye in the finals, and I've I've, I've enjoyed playing the Blue Eye Yorion deck uh, a little bit when Pioneer was kind of just took off again. And so yeah, I pick, picked up the kind of sixty card version, and I like I like some of the some some of the reasoning, or at least the reason that I I, I figured out for my, myself was to why you want to play sixty cards versus uh, eighty cards for for blue white in certain circumstances, and that major reason seems to be that you want to maximize the number of counter spells in your deck, so you want to have like you want to you know if you have an eighty card deck and you have four absorb, then like you only have three copies of absorb in the sixty card deck, whereas you have four of it. In your sixty card deck, that means you are good against blue, uh, mono green, in particular. And in my experience, I played last five leagues now, and I've dropped three matches, and I've never lost the mono green yet. And I really do think that matchup is quite good for blue white, as particularly the sixty card version. I know Harry beat it in the finals, but uh, I think this is a combination of them not putting a massive amount of meaningful pressure on you uh, in terms of like damage, and you know Dobbins vetoes and your. Uh, maximum density of absorbs you know, means that matchup's pretty solid for you uh, overall, and so I've been playing. So I think I, I like the reason that reasoning for playing uh, sixty cards in that matchup in blue white. And the other thing is the red black matchup, which I think I think that's the other side of the coin. Where I think that being eighty cards in the the red black matchup is uh, probably the better place to be because you're looking for ways to kind of improve the qual the quality at the top of your deck essentially. So you have more powerful guards and you know more more threats in your deck overall. Uh, you have access to the, the eighth card in the Yorion. Uh, the Omen of the Sea helps you filtering and that sort of stuff. And I've yeah, I guess it's like no real right or wrong. But at the moment, with the amount of mono green in the format, I would definitely be playing the sixty card version. But I guess the thing I wanted to highlight the most is the thing I've been doing differently uh, to like the the norm, and that's I'm playing dig through times and I'm playing considers in my blue white deck when I don't see anybody else playing those cards at all. So right now I have four consider, two, two dig through time, and one memory deluge. And that kind of, just similar to what we're talking about in the modern format, uh, the access to kind of keeping a wider range of opening hands, keeping land light hands uh, with consider has been really good. And also I just think dig through time is just on its, when all is said and done, a more powerful card than memory deluge is and could hope to be. And Having those spots where you can double spell, you know, because your because your dig the drank costs two mana, versus uh, costing four if you're playing deluge, is a pretty meaningful difference. And so I've actually found that contrary to what seems to be popular opinion, that the red black matchup's not so bad. And I putting some of that down to the fact that I have increased kind of essentially card filtering and card selection. So the top of my deck, my average draw is essentially better for my. Um, with this blue white deck than it would be for someone playing you know, more kind of counter spells or duary disruptions or something like that. So I don't know. You've been playing a lot of like Explorer and Pioneer uh, in in uh, ex blue white in Explorer is what I was trying to say, Gab. And so I I actually think those two decks are relatively analogous to one another. Uh, there's not too many missing cards. And so can you comment on like you know why you might want to choose your Have you been playing with Yorion and Explorer? As is probably my first question. I played a bit with Yorion. A while ago in Explorer, but basically after recording the podcast with Harry 13, I took his list from Pioneer, exported it to Explorer. 
I replaced the vertex and ran it and you know it felt pretty good. I did I did make some tweaks. I ended up on four sensor for the qualifier because you just need to counter Fable. That card is so strong, it's so prevalent, you know, whether it's junk food, they play that card, red black, they play that card, Jeskai uh, creativity they, they played. So I wanted to to have a ton of, of counter spells for Fable, even when I was on the draw side, the four sensors and the three vetoes. And I, I tweaked the removal suit a tiny bit too. I started playing Dream Trawler in the main. And basically I felt like what Harry said was true, you know, just the consistency is more valuable than the, the card advantage. Omen of the Sea is maybe a little too slow. So I'm not sure. I know Kenji Tsumura played Blue White Fury on Control, and he was in day two of the the qualifier. So he did quite well, meaning he went at least 7-1 on day one, because that's what you needed to make day two. And not sure how he ended on day two. But yeah, I had a, I had a really good run. I, uh, I actually lost to Ragdos in round two on day one. So I had to win six in a row after that, and I did. And then Very on nice. day two, yeah, on day two, I uh, I just lost. I went one one against Spirits and one one against John Food. Actually, I was a little disappointed to lose against John Food, which is my good matchup. But I think I made in sideboard very well because how they tried to beat you after sideboard is six mana Chandra, and I actually made a bad change to my sideboard because overnight you can change your deck for day one over day two. You know, you can even play a totally different deck if you want to. And I added a second farewell to the sideboard because I expected maybe a little more junk food and I was right. But I think the way they get you after sideboard is usually Chandra and you don't really need that second farewell. Just having the one to dig to is fine. And I think you maybe actually want to keep Dream Trawler because I could see them having maybe a card like Thought Distortion. You know, these are the kind of two big haymakers against blue white control that you can play and um i guess they they, they, they tend to play shandra because it's a perna you can find with trail of crumbs is this reversal legal on arena i don't know if it is. yeah yeah it is definitely on arena and i'm almost definitely sure it's also in in uh in that format but it's definitely a card i considered but no one really plays thought distortion you know i was having nightmares of getting paired against you know, Esper control or something. People just jamming a bunch of thought distortion. So it's, that's it's also a nice answer to Dobbin's veto in the mirror. It actually counts Dobbin's veto. Yeah, yeah, I guess it, it is a little awkward against Memory Deluge because um, you don't get to see. Yeah, you don't get the kind of Memory Deluge with it. That's yeah, true. so that's kind of a, a downside. It got a little worse since Memory Deluge used a, a card advantage spell in the mirror. But yeah, I think Dream Trawler should have been in my deck. My reasoning is was that, which is correct, but also, I guess, partial view of the problem is that when when they're super far ahead, you know, they have Cat of Trill going, a Dream Trawler is not going to overpower that. And also Dream Trawler can maybe get bricked by Corvold, but at the end of the day, I think the mashup's quite good and I should have had these two Dream Trawlers. So I, was, I mean, you know, it was just one game in the tournament, but it's kind of what stuck with me because it was my last loss uh, that, that got me knocked out. But I had, I had great fun preparing for the tournament, new format. There was basically no info, no big tournaments yet. The ladder was pretty diverse. It was fun climbing the ladder. It was fun trying out decks. The, 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 yeah, I don't know. I thought I was going to not like it because I thought it was just going to be like 
a lot like Pioneer, and it doesn't seem to me like Pioneer is necessarily the greatest format. But once again, maybe I'm just wrong. And yeah. it was it was just great. Actually, I had a ton of fun preparing for that tournament. I've I've been I'm a little I'm a kind of optimistic about Explorer. At least it feels authentic. It doesn't have all these kind of like fake import cards in it, and that that's that's a really important feature for me. If I wasn't wildcard broker, I'd probably be playing it on Arena right now. <laughs> but I've I've been pleasantly surprised with Pioneer again recently after they banned Winota and Expressive Iteration. Again, it's been a, a pretty solid improvement to the format overall. I, I feel like there's a, a definitely a little bit more room to room to maneuver, I guess, in terms of like deck choice and some of I feel, I feel know, maybe it feels like my decisions are mattering, but it feels like the kind of you know, choices I'm making are mattering a lot because even if I'm choosing to play something that's kind of like off the, you know, well maybe not. No, blue red blue when taking choosing to play blue white when blue red was kind of like the the de facto best choice previously was a little bit uh you shooting yourself in the foot a little bit yeah the format might have a cat island problem I'm not sure that i haven't seen that too much in it hasn't happened that very much in pioneer but in explorer it may very well be yeah it might be not quite as good because pioneer obviously is all more powerful so maybe it's yeah there's some there's some subtle differences and i think you know Maybe maybe Dig Through Time's not the card that changes changes and swings the the, the cat matchup necessarily, but you know, that that those small differences mean that you know, cat oven's like a factor in Pioneer, but it's not a huge problem, I guess, I think. Yeah. Harry, you been playing much Pioneer this week? Um, specifically, I I I only ever play green in Pioneer. I think we can all see where my bias lies from that, but yeah, I, I played a league today on stream. It didn't go great. I two threed. Uh, every loss felt extremely close, and I think that, you know, right now there's a lot of green hate. I feel like people are at least packing, like, five, six cyborg hate cards. For example, I played against Mono Red, and not only did they have Lava Coil, which is quite stock, they had, um, oh, I don't remember the name of it. It was, like, two mana, deal two damage. If it's green, deal six. And, uh, burning and Hands. Yeah, Burning Hands. That card was actually pretty good against me. Especially alongside the one mana saga enchantment that makes uh, non creature damage exile things. So yeah, yeah, that uh, there's was... a lot of there's a lot of dice triggers in that green deck, and it took me a couple yeah. of goes around to figure that out. And then I just started bringing rest in peace in that matchup. Really? Yeah. yeah, I just I think rest in peace. Yeah, I guess is there's yeah, there's a flashback of the yeah exactly. Wow. There's, there's there's three major cards that it's really good against. It's obviously good against it counters the, the back half of Storm of Festival. It shuts down the regrowth part of the of Cavalier, and then it also turns off all growth troll. Yeah, and and um, also I think in Blue Eye Control as well, a lot of my Karns fetch statue into Cauldron. Right. Yeah. Also, also yeah. that recursion loop is. It's Taking a, a card well. away from Karn as well is really annoying. I actually really... I think, rest in peace, the biggest thing is Supreme Verdict is trash against green, in my opinion. Unless we've got, like, three elves on the table, that's it. Obviously, Verdict is great. Yeah. But generally speaking, Verdict's really bad. Rest in peace makes Verdict really good. Um, it exactly. It was the sort of thing where I... It was the sort of thing where I didn't feel like I had enough cards to bring in the matchup, and I was like, I'm... These... I want to kind of take these Verdicts out, but... I could just bring in these resin pieces and I get to keep my verdicts and they're great. And that's been enough to change, change the matchup on its head. Really. I feel like that's kind of been a huge quality of life improvement. Whereas before I was kind of playing these kind of long games, I'm like having to like really, really that scrap and fight tooth and claw matchups where I'd 
or games where I draw, rest in peace, I'm like, this is smooth sailing. I no longer have to like fret about holding up Vito and having them cast Cavalier and then like that getting me into this whole host of trouble. Like it's, yeah. Sorry, yeah, it doesn't doesn't sit right with you. Some of it like what you were trying to do against Phoenix at some point in Historic and maybe other formats, you know, combine rest in peace with Verdict to not make your Verdicts too awkward against Phoenix, but then you end up losing to Planeswalkers, you know, Narset, Chandra. So I wonder if if you take that approach, come the green deck, I guess the green deck doesn't really get a sideboard, but I feel like that's, I would definitely... so, that's so exploit, like easy to exploit, but... Yeah, I, I'm definitely with you. I think if they were kind of, if that was the kind of, if they had a more ability to, to, to pivot their strategy, I think if they kind of went and said, actually, I'm going to take out my like, my Ogroth trolls or something like that, and I'm, and I'm going to put in a, a bunch more Nissa who shakes the world or something like that, that would be bad news for me. Well, or, yeah. or or even that three mana Nissa that like makes a plant token that'd be a nightmare. I think yeah, the logic really the the logic is you rest in peace turn two. Let's say I carn you on turn three. Okay, I'm getting an artifact, but I'm not casting it till next turn, right? Like you can let the carn resolve. Oh, to be fair, I'm not casting rest in peace on turn two. I'm just, I'm not tapping out on turn two to like get yeah. something slam jam down my throat on turn three. It's just the fact that. Your life total's not under a massive amount of pressure versus mono green, unless they have the kind of like elf into old growth troll draw that you don't have any way of interacting with at all. But well, you have to cast the rest in peace on turn two or three to verdict on turn four. You don't have to verdict on turn four against that deck very often. That's the thing. You verdict to kind of mop up on turn five or six and lets you keep up Dobbin's veto. Right, and that's where that's where I've been getting my kind of the most mileage out of the card is kind of in that interstitial turn, I can go like turn four, cast rest in peace, pass the turn, still have my veto up so I don't get planeswalkered. And then down the line, I can just go, I'll verdict you and like, yeah, I'm on six life, but who gives a shit? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I think as a green player, I'm I'm afraid of rest in peace normally because I think a lot of the time what I'll do is I'll take a turn off to flashback storm to force a counter. Like I think that a lot of a lot of getting through blue lights counters involves flashing back storm. I think the board, like you said, so yeah, I think I think I would board it in. And I think in general with the format, I think a lot of people were crying for a Nykthos ban after I won the showcase, at least in my Twitch well, chat. Think, it's definitely uh, the sign that it's truly OP. Yeah, it's funny. I got a few messages like, thank you so much like for doing well with the deck. Now it's going to get banned. I really appreciate it. I was yeah, like, if fish like you can win with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just like, huge. thanks. But, um, it's a pedigree check right there. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that honestly there's a good parody, or, or is that the word, like between all the decks, because the fact that, I think the fact that Rakdos mid-range is really good, even though the green matchup is really bad for Rakdos, makes me feel like there's a really good distribution between top decks in the format. And I think that, you know, I won the Pioneer Challenge, well, like, two, three years ago. That was the same logic. Like, Mono Red is a good deck. It just beat beat up on people because it was the most refined deck at the time. Same with Green here. This green list I have was the most refined deck, I would say, in that tournament. You know, everyone knew generally what the best green build is. And I think now that people know, okay, Rakdos, Green, Blue, White are the top decks. Everyone knows how to build their sideboard in their main deck. And I feel like the format is just tuning itself um, and is becoming more of like a, a closely matched format. So I think that Pioneer is actually becoming quite healthy. I would say it's quite 
um, okay to go buy some cards on Card Market. I wouldn't be afraid of a ban. So go go use your shopping wizard. Shout out to Card Market, the sponsor. Go spend money. Go spend money. <laughs> what do you think of the format? Do you guys do you guys agree? I I don't think there's going to be any bans because I get ban talk all the time. Like ban Nick those. I guess that's because of my result, but yeah. I'm not sure. I'm looking forward to it. Though. Hopefully, I'm wrong. I'm going to start playing some Pioneer because it's the format for the Sofia regional tour. And I guess I need to start playing Pioneer at some point. And if all these wonderful players seem to play Pioneer day in, day out, it's got to be it's got to be decent. I mean, I can't imagine someone, you know, like Harry Fertine that we had last week on the podcast that has full-time job and a life and stuff. He's not going to just keep playing one format if it's not a good format. True. I'm 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 with Gab's I share Gab's feelings in the sense that like there's enough things pushing me in to think that this might actually be a good thing that people need to give it give a bit of time for. And yeah, I mean I get it's essentially the same thing same thing that Harry Harry thirteen is doing where like I have a full time job and a lot of life commitments and I still take this opportunity to fire up and play when I want to taste when I want to kinda of like get away from modern for a bit, I'll go and play some pioneers. So like I've been on a pioneer tip for the last couple of weeks. And then maybe that'll that'll slow down. I'll go somewhere else. But like, I would be definitely looking forward to this kind of upcoming regional tour and looking forward to kind of seeing what ha- what comes out of it. Because right now, I feel like it's in a good place, and the gameplay is the gameplay is fun. It just, as I've said a couple of times and several times over the lifetime of the format, it's the last. It, it's one of the last eternal eternal formats that doesn't have kind of like made for that. Everything's come through standard, and it feels like magic of the kind of. I guess the era that it reflects, like you know, kind of 2015 onwards, it kind of feels like that kind of chunk of time in terms of you know the experiences you get from the game, and then that's that's really enjoyable and something that I'm in the market for. And so yeah, def- definitely, definitely enjoying it at the moment. And I wasn't enjoying it before they banned expressive iteration, despite how much I enjoy a casting expressive iteration of the <laughs> format. Yeah, I guess there's a lot of people who, who like control decks. I guess to, to listen to us, so I want to talk about a few changes I made to. Harry's Pioneer List. And I started playing Fortel or Sight Coming, the Fortel Counterspell over Absorb after Andrew Cuneo made fun of me for playing Absorb. And I think it was an improvement. I think it plays out obviously nicely with Teferi. And it's a little easier on the mana when you're playing a bunch of Field of Runes. And I believe that was an improvement, at least in, um, in that format, you know, in Explorer. And I also started playing split of Behold the Multiverse and Memory Deluge, because I felt like the first Behold is better than the first Deluge, but it's it's nice to have that seven mana flashback at some point in the very long games. So, yeah, also I was just, felt Sensor was better than Jari's Disruption. I, I felt like yeah. people were doing a decent job playing around Jari's Disruption. It's a little awkward against Nazis, because they see it you know, playing in sen- around sensor, you can, but it's not great because they just cycle it away. But playing against when they start playing against your jar's disruption, that I didn't, I didn't pinpoint that at the time. But now that I think about it, I think maybe that was the reason. You know, um, getting a land that comes into play tap when you're playing Wandering Emperor and Teferi and stuff is, and you already have a whole of the Storm Giant or two in your deck, that might be a little rough. So. I, I just went full full on sensor and on Jari's disruption. Even though Jari's disruption did grow on me recently, uh, especially in standard, I guess. 
I'm I'm definitely big on sensor as well in blue white. It's I, I it's in Pioneer it's doubly 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 good because I have to dig through time. So the cycling obviously makes a huge difference there. But I, I everything that Gab said about it, I completely agree with that. That look, not being able to like actually cycle it as a land is really hard. If you know what I mean, like it's like a bad land drop to make. Like, and your land drop, you, there's you structure your land drop so carefully. You know, like there's so many like, okay, this is my turn to play the tap land here because that means I'm holding up the two mana counter, but it means that I can cast my untapped land on turn four. And like so much planning goes into like what lands to play, and then if they like look at your hand. And you have to get rid of this Jwari disruption that's going to be completely dead. Like, where does it fit into your sequencing? And you know, the, the ability to just kind of immediately cycle it away with it, that sensor has is just a huge, huge, huge gain. I just, yeah, always a full play set. That's, that's like one of the early rules of Gab's Gab's stream. It's always a full play set of sensors. <laughs> okay. What um. Was there anything else in Explorer that you kind of discovered? No, I just hope I get to play the format some more. I guess I, I feel like there's not a ton of incentive for me to, to play the format right now. Next next month's qualifier is limited, and then in August it's historic. Mm. But um, no, I, I mean, I think Ragdos. is probably a bit better than I give it credit for during the week, as making fun of it on my stream because I. Beat it was my Team Luca deck. I beat it was well, it's not my deck, but you know, it was Team Luca, and I was beating it was Black Green, and I, I need to give credit where credit is. Right, this was it was pretty scary as a as a blue white player. My records against it is actually slightly positive, but it always felt like something needed to go right at some point. You know, you need to get like kind of lucky at some point, either like curve out perfectly or top deck a couple times. Uh, before it was too late. And yeah, I was wondering if the matchup was similar in Pioneer where Blue, Blue White was maybe an underdog to Red Black and, you know, Harry for a team said yes, but then you were, you, Pat, were playing with Zurion and you felt like it was okay. So, well, it sounds like you were beating everything. That's kind of a problem with you. You just always be, beat everything with Merktide. I never everything. play any stakes. I, I never play for very high stakes. So I never play like these big tournaments. So I get this kind of league experience where like, yeah, like who knows what it means. It's the same mm. as playing, similar to playing on the ladder, I think. I know winning. I mean, leagues. Sure, results are not everyone, everything in leagues, but leagues are not that easy. Yeah. I only have two two modern trophies this season, and I've played a lot of modern leagues. Yeah, I, I mean, not I as guess, many as some other players, but <laughs> I mean, I guess there is there is skin in the game in the sense of like you know, there's a paid entry and stuff like that, so it's different to ladder in that respect. But yeah, I I, I agree with you. I, I, Often to sit here and be like, yes, I went four one four one four one four one three two four one, and I've learned nothing. <laughs> so I've I spent a lot of time trying to think about what work, what makes sense and what doesn't. And the general consensus, you know, obviously what you're saying is that red red black is ahead. I think I was talking to misplaced ginger a little bit on his stream recently when he was playing. He's been playing. He plays black red in, in pioneer, and you know, he's just talking, indicating that this is a good matchup for him. Like you know, he likes to play against blue white. And when so many people have contrary experiences to what I to to, to mind, then I'd usually just kind of say, yeah, whatever. Like I'm probably wrong. It but, might be somewhere in the middle. If the good players are winning both sides of the matchup, then yeah, that's the that's the one that that's the one that annoys me, right? Like, wait, how do you, you how do you learn the truth in that? What was yeah. that? 
No, I was going to just say shout out to Ginger. He came in second in the Pioneer. Yeah, challenge. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I, um, yeah, and he's, he's been streaming a lot. It's been it's an enjoyable hanging out. I really like his stream, yeah. I don't get to watch a ton because it's like late at night, but it's pretty chill and he's pretty insightful. Yeah, the the vibe the vibe is good there. I really enjoy mm-hmm. it. Um but no, it's trying to find out the truth when you're winning both sides of the matchup or when probably the the the, the, the better player is winning both sides of the matchup is really hard. And all I can say is that yeah, I I share your your feeling that in the matchups that you the matches that you win against red black and Spoiler alert, I win majority of my matchups against red, black, but something goes right. And it's the kind of thing where, like, the top of your deck has to be good. And the way that I have this blue-white deck built now at 60 cards with considers and dig-through times and stuff like that, I think I've increased my likelihood of having something good happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I can draw in the kind of mid-to-late game. I can draw a consider and have a kind of a, a two-shot redraw, essentially. I can draw dig through time. I can draw and cast dig through time on turns where I means that I can play this thing that I need to that I that I dig through time into as well. Where you couldn't necessarily do that with a card like Memory Delhu. So like digging to find Supreme Verdict to catch up is uh, is is an input is a, is a reason a really common play. One thing that Ginger said that I thought was kind of interesting and has made me think about it think a lot is that what Blue White doesn't have very good ways of catching up when it falls behind. And that's particularly true of Planeswalkers. Like, you don't have a good way of getting rid of a Planeswalker on the table that doesn't cost you, like, five mana and your Teferi, you know, if you know what I mean. Like, you have to, like, play Teferi minus it and have your Teferi die, and that buys you a little bit of time. But you, you don't have a good way of catching up against Planeswalkers. And one thing that I think is... That means that, not, not a, that makes that not a huge issue versus red-black, or maybe an overblown concern against red-black is the fact that they don't actually put a huge amount of pressure on you very easily. Um, it's a similar experience to the Mono Green deck. I feel like there's just time to be patient, and they don't have a huge amount of reach, and so just take beat. All 20 life points matter, and taking a bit of damage, and not feeling kind of compelled to answer the creature that's going to deal you maybe nine more attack three more times or something like that deal you nine more damage if you don't kill it on this turn but it means you don't expose yourself to fable the mirror breaker or uh the chandra or whatnot and so you keep that veto up i, th- I think that that playing in that manner gives me a little bit more leeway and so yeah I, my, my my experience is not just yuri yuri on centric like okay? it has been with the 60 card version as well i've probably played the match four times or five times this, this fortnight with 60 cards and i've lost it once and yeah, it's just keeping Fable and Mirror Breaker and Chandra off the table, and everything else is kind of just a bunch of mopey creatures, really. Like, just take the two for ones, you know, of like March or whatnot, and hopefully, your top of your deck's pretty good, I guess. You know, and just char the face and slap the top of your deck, you know, to quote Randy Bueller. Yeah, I don't know. That's not my experience in Explorer, anyways. I felt like they were pretty good at putting you on the back foot, Dad. You know, Fable is super strong against you, and Trespasser was surprisingly annoying. It, it flips pretty easily. It, it hits somewhat hard. Um, using spot removal on it is kind of a pain. So, you know, even Wandering Emperor, at least Bone Crusher Giant, if you use Wandering Emperor on it, you don't take the two damage. That's kind of nice, but the ward is just, you know, any ability or spell, so... 
it, it felt tough. I mean, I was I was still like winning where I'd have my matchups, but, but th- those maybe that's the difference in Explorer where you don't have access to a sweeper that's good enough to play four of. So yeah, you don't he... play four Wrath of God. And yeah, no, that, I just wrath trespasser away. Like I just wrath trespasser on turn six or something like that, and who cares? Like I'm on eight life or five life, like whatever. I'll, I'll make do. Also, I play absorb, baby. Like, yeah, Andrew yeah. Cunio, like he's been right about a lot of things in his life, but he's been alive a long time, so he's been had a lot of time to be wrong about plenty of things. And I think this might be one of them. That incidental life gain is, life gain is meaningful in, in more matchups than you think about. I actually think it's really important in mono green as well. Just that, yeah. like, just, yeah, that window of like, you know what? I just counted your, I just, I just took another like hit and a half from old growth troll. Like that, that gives me a lot of time to set things up. Yeah, maybe I just got sabotaged by Andrew. It wouldn't be the first time. I could, I could see it. I didn't think the foretell ability was really strong, but I, I agree. Uh, I, I'm, maybe... I'm, I'm absolutely with you. I think that cut. I mean, I don't even have four, four absorb in my deck. I have three absorb and one sinister sabotage, and that's to fuel a little bit of a. Uh, delve delve action as well, but you know, I think I think a mix of absorb and uh, saw it coming is, you know, is 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 something reasonable. But that three life is worth a lot in terms of positioning. In it's one of those things. In, it's it's like a really classic magic thing where like you can see this advantage, but you don't know where it plays out, and you can't quantify it in any way. But it probably is really relevant in way more spots than you remember, and. You just have the game like, oh yeah, of course I'm like in a comfortable position to take another two hits here because I cast two absorbs in this game and I just haven't yeah. really factored it into like my analysis, my my retro retro analysis essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. This is one of the joys of Magic, right? Like figuring out ways to break down the game and like what actually mattered or where it was, and you kind of. I mean, Andrew's like obviously really, really, really good at doing these sort of things as well. Like he's you know a creative and and he's a unique thinker, and that's. Get, gives you a lot of mileage in trying to find find out things that you never may never have found out before. But I'm willing to stake a claim that he's wrong here. And it's because he hasn't thought about the, these minor minor edges that Absorb gives you in matchups that don't feel like it's like, yeah, it's not mono-red. Like, yeah. 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 Cool. cool. Yeah. You guys uh, ready to wrap up? I would love to put my life on the line and tell you that I'm going to play blue-white in Pine you. <laughs> awesome. Okay, for, for those who are new, at the end of every episode, we have Life on the Line. It's a theoretical tournament tomorrow. You win the event, you live. You lose, you die. Got to bring a deck list from every format we talked about today. I won't bring an Explorer deck, but I will bring a Pioneer and a Modern deck. In Pioneer, I'm going to be playing Monogreen Devotion. I still like my Showcase winning list. I've been asked that a lot. I would still run my 75 from Showcase. I think it's great. I think that everyone trying to overcomplicate the sideboard is being a bit silly because at the end of the day, you don't draw Karn in every single game. And I think that having Voracious Hydra in the sideboard is extremely relevant. Um, And in Modern, I think I'll play Four Color Control. The only reason why I played Murktide is because I was borrowing it from someone else. Uh, Thank you to Connor. I didn't actually mention that. But um, yeah. So I think I'd play four color control. I think I would play Pete Ward's 70, uh, sorry, not 75, Pete Ward's 95 from the Axion Now event. Uh, it's published on their website. Shout out to Pete. What about you, Pat? Well, I will play the 60 card Blue Eye Deck in Pioneer. And I think I'm going to take uh, O'Daniel Arcos's uh, Blue Red Murktide list. Maybe at least his main deck at the, at the I think I'm back on the Dragon Rages channel. And if my opponents want to put Legislator into playing, 
crown me with it like whatever i'll deal it's fine i think it's having that edge against four color is where i want to be in, in modern right now damn we rambled so much we didn't even congratulate uh the most recent mox winner will Krueger as well oh my god yeah and we, we didn't even talk about the potential impact of yeah. His win too. It was red green scape shift, a deck designed to absolutely farm for color control. Mm, and yeah. they just did that. There was four four color four color on map decks in the, the, the field. He got paired against it at least once. It was it was a beat down. Yeah, absolutely. That matchup felt really rough from the four color side. And yeah, so I'd be a little worried to sleeve up four color right now just because of that deck, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Young Dingo came second in the challenge with it on Sunday as well. So he lost yeah. it on the Arcos in the finals. Uh, yeah, so, green shape shift deck. so there's a little of a rock, paper, scissors there. You know, obviously there's more than three decks in modern, but you know what? I'm just going to roll with that Grixis deck I build. Fable is the truth. Let's go. And in Pioneer, uh, I'm going to play Blue White Control as well. Absolutely. Pioneer slash Explorer with Blue White Control. Yep. Let's awesome. go. Okay. And then we've also got to do the price is right. Using I don't know if we're contractually obligated, but we always seem to do it. Card market. We are, but anyways, on cardmarket.com. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I haven't read the contract very clearly. <laughs> but um, uh, what card would you guys like to do? Maybe an explorer um, card? Have we ever done the Wandering Emperor? I was thinking the exact Ooh, same thing. I don't I'm gonna, think we I'm, have. I'm, I'm gonna have to veto it though. I know the price. Oh, what's the price? Like forty euros or something? I would do forty. Yeah, it's like twenty-five pounds at least. Okay. Yeah. So do the conversion yourself. I have a ballpark estimate. I I, I kind of made vague inquiries. Work gave us a big bonus for Jelly, so I was like, how am I gonna blow this? And I was looking at magic cards. I searched up the Wanderer and it was twelve euro cents. I was like, what the heck? But that's from War of the Spark. Uh, uh, the original Wanderer. Yeah, okay. What card would you guys like to do? Hmm. Have we done a we've done Fable of the Mirror Breaker recently, haven't we? What about What about Absorb? Which sure. edition? Uh, in, invasion Absorb. Okay, Invasion Absorb. Ooh, okay. Sure, that's a good one. Okay, I've got a price. Me too. I have no idea how like because I'm, I'm guessing the most recent ones are probably like cup two or three euros. At most. I have, I have no idea how much like the old borders. All right, I have a guess. Okay. Three, two, one, twelve. 13 euro. What? 13 euro. How much, euro? Did, how much did, I said how much two. Two? Okay. For the invasion right one? I think two is probably good for the like any other but invasion like kind of the 30 day average price on card market right now is four euros and 87 Fuck. euro cents baby why am i buying him give me that that's what w. i should put my money on how give did you uh, how did you overbid me pad that's the, the i'm just i'm really bullish on all borders <laughs> i just think they're yeah, great yeah yeah i assume that everything with an old border is worth a million dollars because that's yeah. what i would pay for it well, I assume everything is worth a million dollars. But... What I find funny is they're all, like, heavily played. No one has any 
brand new. Wow, that's absorbs. right. We got screwed. I'm, I'm assuming mint condition. Honestly. <laughs> oh, right, sure, yeah. sure. Right. To be fair, there's a near mint for four euros in Chinese. There's... Ooh, why am I buying that right now on Spanish. <laughs> to be fair, I have eight euros store credit. But yeah, awesome. Okay, well, at the end of the every episode, Gab, where can we find you on the internet? Twitch.tv slash yellowhat, yellowhat on YouTube, add Gamsif on Twitter. Okay, cool. You can find me chilling in the uh, midweek metagame Discord. Just a reminder, you can find it in our Twitter bio, pin tweet on any of our socials. Please join the Discord during the conversation. We'd love to have you in there. What about you, Pat? You can find me posting occasional content, including this blue whitelist that I'm talking about that I spoke about today, in the, the Discord. Ooh. Look at me, spruiking, shilling. Sounds good. Sounds good. Awesome. And if you made it this far into the episode, as always, thank you so much for supporting our content. We really appreciate it. And I guess we'll catch you guys next week. Peace.